Unspoken Issues. All right, well, let's go ahead. We'll get into our third part of Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, so this is Morbius number one, uh, another launch title coming out of the series, written by Lynn Kaminsky, penciled by Ron Wagner, inked by Mike Witherby, and colored by Gregory Wright, uh, lettered by Janice Shang. I want to read like just the real quick blurb at the beginning of these because each one of these there's a nice little blurb that kind of catches you up real quick on what's going on uh but it says for eons the walls between our earth and the supernatural realms have held fast until now now those walls are weakening and it's i, I bring that up because that's a lot of what dr strange talks about whenever you kind of see him he's mm-hmm. like oh the dimensional walls man can't <laughs> handle this stuff <laughs> But yeah, now those walls are weakening and Lilith, queen of evil, mother of demons, has risen from her slumber to shatter the walls and free her hellish spawn. Only the strangest of alliances can drive her back. A union of old enemies and new heroes in a battle forever to be remembered as the rise of the Midnight Suns. So here we go. Morbius, created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane, first appearing in Amazing Spider-Man number 101 from October of 1971. Morbius, the living vampire, has been a figure in Marvel history for some time. We'll learn of his origin in this issue, but it's important to know that he has been slowly losing connection with his human side, and recently he battled Spider-Man, which was covered on this very podcast. <laughs> Martine Bancroft, Michael Morbius's secretary and girlfriend, currently trying to find Morbius to administer a potential cure. Dr. Jacob Weisenthal. Now, it's funny I listed him here because I thought there was like this big, long history between these guys. And maybe I misunderstood something. I thought maybe he was a colleague of Morbius. And I wrote, I thought there was more history here, but this issue is his first appearance. So there's that. That synopsis is coming up. But first, let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. We open with Morbius feeding on another innocent soul, realizing what he has done and immediately regretting it. Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider find Martine at the hotel, and she reveals she was the fiancé. Am I I correct there? She was the fiancé of Michael Morbius. Is that right? Yeah, they were insisted that they were engaged. Okay. A a Michael Morbius, a Nobel Prize winning biologist who contracted a deadly blood disease. After he found a cure, there was a horrific side effect. He now has to feed on human blood to continue to live. Now Michael is in hiding and Martine is trying to find him as she is working with a biochemist named Langford who has agreed to help cure his condition. Ghost Rider recognizes Morbius as being part of his vision, and he and Blaze agree to help in order to find him. As events unfold, we learn that Langford is working with a Dr. Payne, who is planning to sabotage the serum in order to kill Morbius. Meanwhile, Lilith finds two more of her Lilin at a concert. Dakota, a lady that has a special vision she uses to find where Morbius is and events that are surrounding him, and she sends the other son, Fang, to poison Langford's serum. Once Fang finds the serum, he puts some of his own demon blood into the deadly concoction. 
concoction. When Blaze and Ghost Rider find Morbius, they stun him and take him to Langford, Langford's lab. When Langford gives Morbius the serum, instead of dying, Mor- Morbius begins to mutate. Breaking his restraints, he smashes through a window, escaping the lab. <laughs> <laughs> Morbius heads to Jacob Weisenthal's brownstone home. Passing out, Michael Morbius awakens with Jacob over him, but also realizing he has changed back into a human. It, it, to me, it felt like these two had a pass with each other. Jacob like did right. some ran some scans on him or something uh, and reveals he examined Morbius to determine what it, what has exa- recently changed. Uh, Michael looks over the results of, of Jacob's report, but then he begins to revert back to his vampire state. So, they, you know, he's not able to hold the state of a human very long. Uh, Jacob explains that they need more of the serum that spawned this change so that they could synthesize it and maybe revert Michael back for a longer period of time. Morbius sets off back to the lab to retrieve it. Meanwhile, Martine happens upon Dr. Langford, who is discussing his failed plan to kill Michael with some of Payne's men. Upset, she pulls a revolver that she was using for protection, but is quickly disarmed and shot by Langford. When Morbius arrives, he finds his fiancée, Martine, barely clinging to life. With her dying breath, and I put that in quotes, with her dying breath, she tells Morbius she loves him. Morbius is stricken with grief, but is soon overcome with the hunger for blood, and in a terrifying moment, Morbius loses control and feasts on her dead body. When Langford and Payne's men return, Morbius has realized the horror of what Langford has set in motion and now seeks vengeance and gets it, tossing a bitten Langford out the window to his death. During the fight, the lab explodes and the beaker carrying the potential cure is almost destroyed. However, Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze show up just in time to keep it safe. When Ghost Rider tells Morbius that he must answer for things that he has done, Morbius explains that he is already aware of what he needs to do, but vows that from here on, he will only drink the blood of the guilty and the corrupt. Satisfied, Ghost Rider gives Morbius the serum and rides off with Johnny Blaze. Back at the club, Lilith sees the events unfold and is upset that Morbius continues to live. However, something new has her attention, and she plans to send her Lillen after one Victoria Montesi. So, a lot happened (laughs) in that issue. I can't really state this enough. These issues, especially this one, did a great job of making me feel like there was a lot of history here. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important. When I'm watching like a a TV series or something and a new character pops up, but you start to realize that, boy, there's a lot more to this person than I knew. And there's a lot more to this world that I knew uh, or that I thought I knew. That's what keeps me hooked. That's what this series is doing a great job of doing. It's it's yeah. making you realize, okay, these characters have history. And then I'm like going into the internet, trying to find out some more. And it turns out that these characters just appeared in this series. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, they, you know, it really took me by surprise. So well, it's now, interesting that, you know, in, in the case of some of these characters are, are new, but this line of books, with the exception of the Darkhold characters, who I think were all new, um, mm-hmm. although the Darkhold book had appeared in Marvel before, these are all revivals of 70s properties, you know, even right. Ghost Rider. But Morbius was big in the 70s. All the Night Stalkers characters, they were all part of the Tomb of Dracula series in the 70s. So this is kind of Marvel going back to the well, uh, which at the time, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know that. I knew Morbius was already an existing character, but as far as I knew, everything else was new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're they're putting a new layer onto these characters because these characters haven't just been sitting by, you know, sitting by and not doing anything. I'm sure that there's been others, you know, specifically like with Morbius and this Jacob Weisenthal guy. You know, they I'm certain that it, when I was reading this, I was like, these guys have this huge history. He's been working <laughs> with this guy for such a long time. Certainly there's been issues uh, in the past that's covered what they've been doing. And nope, not a, not a single thing. So that's great. That leaves that all to come forward in the later issues. So the demon blood mutation obviously has to become 
become a big deal in this series. Am I right or am I wrong? Morbius was not a book that I kept up with. I, I remember getting a couple of issues. I know I got the second issue because Spider-Man, as we see at the end of this issue, Spider-Man's going to show up in the next issue. Yeah. Uh, in traditional Marvel 90s fashion, throw Spider-Man <laughs> into those first few issues of a new character or a yep. new book. So I remember getting at least the next couple of issues, and then I got the issues of Morbius that were part of the future Midnight Suns crossovers, but I didn't keep up with it month to month. So if you remember in our interview with Gregory Wright, who eventually took over writing Morbius, Lynn Kaminsky, uh, I don't think he was able to really do what he wanted to do with the book. And then That's right. yeah. uh, they moved Gregory Wright into the writer's position, and he wasn't really able to do what he wanted to do with the book because of a lot of editorial mandates and stuff. Uh, so I think the book was kind of plagued with that, uh, with, with the writers not really being able to exer- exercise the storylines they really wanted to. Uh, so I don't really, I don't really have an answer to your question, basically. Well, well, that's fine. Well, I mean, but no, you've shed a light. You shed light on what possibly could it have happened. It should have been explored. Whether yeah. how how much it was explored, I, I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, I was going to say that there's a lot of potential with that. Just that little bit, like holy crap! Now we got a vampire with demon's blood that's right. <laughs> in him. Whoa, how's that going? Obviously, it sets into motion this whole cure thing. I mean, that is really one of the main aspects of the Morbius character. He needs to get a cure for his condition so he's not sucking blood from <laughs> humans. So it's just another little another little piece on the hook to get me to be like, oh, okay, we got some more interesting stuff with this character that would be definitely something that I want to find out about. But speaking, speaking of like some of the biggest parts of this series, I think, okay, top three moments in this series (laughs) for me has got to be Martine getting shot. I guess she's still clinging to life, but she's about to die. She is. She's clearly about to die. Morbius is just sitting there. He's distraught. It's his fiance, the woman that he loved, and she dies in his arms. And as he's in this, the throes of grief, he starts to see the blood and he cannot resist but to just drink. Yeah, really dialing up tragedy. It, yeah, you're right. It is very tragic, extremely tragic. I think as far as moments go in this series, that is, it's either going to be. I know it's definitely top three. It may very well be the moment of this series where I was like, "Man, you are telling some gripping story right there." Mm-hmm. But as I was going to MarvelFandom.com, maybe she is wicked. Maybe is she, she is undead. undead perhaps <laughs> that's what I'm thinking because they ha- her death, according to that website is not until like two it's like in the 2000 it's definitely in the 2000s if not 2010s and spider-man so something either happens where she's brought back or maybe you know, you know, i remember a cover to a future issue if I, i'm just kind of getting an image i think it may be the issue of morbius that is part of the midnight massacre crossover which is like the second big event they oh, did yeah over yeah uh, I think there was a picture of the next issue's cover in the back, like in the letters page. And I believe Martine was on the cover, but she looked like kind of like a ghost. Ooh, okay. Uh, so maybe maybe she comes back around that time. And All right. We get the impression that she's dead by the end of this issue. Nobody stays dead. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, the, the other thing that I just kind of threw on here, and you're more than welcome to uh, spout off about it, whatever. But Morbius getting the pennant stare, which was pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, that was cool because, you know, the pennant stare is kind of Ghost Rider's um, way of showing, you know, the criminals who have spilled innocent blood or whatever, like showing kind of torturing them with like the reality of uh, how severe their actions are and stuff. So he show, he does the penance stare to Morbius, gives him these visions of all the people he's killed over the years. And his reaction is basically, I know I'm trash. <laughs> I, yeah. You're not telling me anything I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now all these events have happened in this first issue and he gets the pen and stare and he's like, okay, look, I'll change one thing. I will, I, you know, I'm going to feed no matter what, but <laughs> I, it's going to be on the bad guys. So anti-hero, if you will, he, right. he's going to be doing something bad, but in, in the vein of doing something good. I'll throw it to you here before we get into the next book. Yeah. A couple things I wanted to throw props to Kaminsky for this opening page is kind of just a shot of Morbius looking over, looking for a victim basically. These captions are so evocative and like horrifying, basically, uh, and kind of just like gross. But it says the nerves in his teeth itch. Mm. The insides of his eyelids feel like sandpaper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it goes on to describe, you know, basically this hunger that he's feeling that he can't can't help himself. He looks also, I mean, I think this is the first time Morbius shows up after that Spider-Man story that, that McFarlane did mm-hmm. where he was feeding on homeless people, basically. And boy, he's looking rough. Yeah, he is. <laughs> when, he, when he first pops up. I was kind of disappointed that we never got the obvious Morbius blackout fight, you know, with the evil vampire versus the good vampire. I guess the only other thing I want to also throw props to Ron Wagner, the penciler. Uh, he does a good job in general, but especially like he's so good at the at, uh, the fangs. Oh, yeah. Uh, he puts a lot of detail in. We see a lot of close ups of, of uh, Morbius with the fangs bared and everything. Uh, that's really it's really cool the way he uh, he visualizes that. If I have to pick a panel of the issue, I'll go with one of the classic window shattering scenes <laughs> when he, when he um, crashes into his friend's uh, office yeah. uh, through the window there and it just looking just like death warmed over. Feeling the effects of sunlight, I guess, is the main reason. Exactly, yeah, because I think he's talking about how he's like, Morbius is looking for help, number one, and number two, he's looking for shade. He's like, Mm -hmm. and when he crashes through that window, you could tell he, number one, you got a vampire coming through your window. That's going to be scary (laughs) enough. I understand that. But he looks like he is in wretched pain. Right. Morbius looks like his ass is on fire, pretty much. (laughs) And I'm sure that it possibly could be, but I mean, yeah, he definitely looks very scary. So I'll I'll take another very good uh, depiction that uh, Wagner did here. And that's where he's all hunched over after Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze and Martine and Langford are in his like, I guess, I don't know if it's his home or what, but they track him down and he's yeah. he kind of pops through the, the door and he's just kind of hang, uh, you know, hunched all over and his face. I mean, yeah, that's frightening. <laughs> it is like a wounded animal cornered, basically, is what he looks like. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. This would be a good time to plug a sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Unspoken Issues, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. 
Forgoing the longer form plugs on these shorter episodes, I'll just remind you to go check out theunspokendecade.com for some great articles regarding comics from the 1990s. You can follow Chris Armstrong on Twitter at BrodyMan34 and myself at Stiznarki on Twitter. And we are pretty active on our Facebook page. Just search for the Unspoken Issues podcast. Stay safe, everyone, and tune in tomorrow for the next chapter of Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, 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 uh.